Turned on it. High drive into left field. Left field. Gone into the White Sox bullpen. Turned on it. Swing and a miss. Strike three, and this one's over. Sox win. Sox win. In time, and the White Sox have won the ball game. And Jimenez drives one to the deep center field. At the track of the wall, he'll jump, and it's gone. Grand slam. Eloy Jimenez. High drive into left field. Backing up now is Gordon. Jump at the fence, and it is gone into the White Sox bullpen. That is a three-run homer for Adam Engel. This is White Sox Weekly. Ripped down the third baseline. The Chicago baseball conversation. It's going to be a fair ball into the corner in left field. On the flagship home of the Sox. Randall will jog around third. He's going to score. 720. With an RBI double is Edwin Encarnacion. WGN. Four to two White Sox. Here's Mark Carmen. And good afternoon, White Sox Weekly on the air till 7 o'clock tonight, 312-981-7200. Got a question for you to start the show today. What are you most excited about, White Sox fans, after four wins in a row, a 5-4 and four record? The White Sox very much in the thick of things here and a lot of positive stories going on. Nick Madrigal, four hits today. We're going to hear from the rookie coming up in just a little bit after the ball game today. Dylan Cease looked great today after a rough outing against the Cleveland Indians. We'll hear from Dylan. And uh, yes, Monty Grandal, who was the first signing in the offseason that really started the ball rolling as uh, the White Sox dipped into the free agent field and said, Yasmani, why don't you come on over here? We'd love to have you. Dallas Keuchel followed him. when Edwin Encarnacion came along. And the rookies have been coming along as well. Now, a lot of diciness around baseball right now. The Cardinals, with more and more cases, haven't played all weekend. When will they be back on the field? Who knows? The Marlins are trying to return to play. Uh, just, you know, right now, uh, the Cubs and the Pirates are in a rain delay, and it's like, how do you, how do these people, how do you survive in baseball rain delay theater nowadays? Um, you know, do you, do you just sit in the dugout and not be in an enclosed space to try to keep yourself safe, even though you're doing all the testing? So there's just a lot that baseball still needs to figure out. Double headers now, seven innings apiece, as it's, that's what they've been doing in the minors for a long time. So that's what we're going to have now in the majors, which I think is all fine. Uh, but it just it does feel uneasy at best that they will get through the season. But fingers crossed that somehow, some way, we will and everybody will stay safe. Three one two nine eight one seventy two hundred. I'll give you what I'm most excited about in a second. But I'm looking for some White Sox enthusiasm today because I know it's out there. Uh, Marty in Barrington, thank you for kicking us off. You're on seven twenty WGN. You feeling good, Marty? Marty, yeah, Marty, to keep your radio down. Go ahead, my friend. Welcome to White Sox Weekly. Can you hear me? Yeah, I got you, Marty. Go ahead. Okay, I have a question about uh, Madrigal's third or fourth at bat. Okay, uh, he swung at uh, two outside sliders, uh-huh. and he, he he was down in the count, and then he bunted up the first baseline and it went foul. Okay. I don't. I don't know if I saw that wrong, but uh, now he wasn't. It wasn't a sacrifice situation, certainly. But uh, nonetheless, I didn't think that a, a foul bunt. Uh, so I thought a foul bunt. 
Right. I went two strikes would put you out on strikes. Yeah, on, honestly, Marty, I don't remember that particular moment in the game today. It's possible that I might have looked away or something, although I do think that you have it wrong. Nick Madrigal would not do that, and if he did, then he would have been called out. But I'll tell you what I do like about Nick Madrigal at the plate right now. Uh, num- number one, it was a rough two days for him, and it, clearly it did not get to him as he came out and got four hits today, which I didn't think it would. He started super slow last year and bounced back and had a great season. Uh, but what I do like, uh, alongside of this, the confidence that he has, is it's a very natural swing to right field. He can stay on the ball a lot longer. Some guys never really learn how to go to right. And that way you let the pitch get a little bit deeper so you have more time to adjust. And eventually, I'm sure he'll start pulling the ball as well. But this natural inkling to go to right field, it should play well. It's one of the reasons why he's always had a high batting average. Well, it's good to see a, a guy who isn't going to strike out yeah. multiple times. That's right. And, you, and he's and uh, he, when you put your bat on the ball, things can happen. When you don't, they don't happen. Yeah, and I, I I'm looking forward to seeing seeing him. I'm sure he's going to improve a lot, and uh, looks like a great plan for the Sox. Marty, what are you most excited about this year so far? Well. I, I'm very excited about uh, Jimenez. I'm also excited about the fact that I'm crazy about their catching, and I didn't uh-huh. realize how I didn't realize how good of a catcher uh, Monty Grandal is. Yeah, but I I think he's quite an addition to this ball club. And I, my big worry is the pitching staff, of course, but but. Uh, so far, so good. Well, so so far, so better. They they certainly came around over the weekend. Hey, Marty, thanks for the call. Thanks for kicking us off, all right? Thanks for taking my call. You got it. 312-981-7200. Question on the table for you right now is, what are you most excited about uh, during this White Sox four-game win streak? And even outside of the four games, just nine games overall watching this team. 312-981-7200. Sox fans, home field isn't the same without you, and we can't wait to welcome you back to Guaranteed Rate Field in 2021. Let's talk some ticket plans, group outings, and more. Call or text SOXTICKS to 312-674-1000 or visit WhiteSox.com today. 312-981-7200. The King is weighing in on 720 WGN. Go ahead, King. What are you most excited about, King? Well, one, I'm most excited about your prediction of Dylan Cease being the top, the ace on the ball club, particularly after we have a 2-0 and starter. We have uh, Giolito coming back strong on a 4-4 four, four, uh, shutout, a 4 nothing shutout. And then that coupled with Dylan Cease being the ace, of which is your prediction, that's a pretty good stat. I, I, King, if people weren't listening last week, I did step out there and say that, uh, hey, I am predicting that Dylan Cease is going to have a phenomenal season and he will be, by the end of it, the ace of the staff, which I'm sure Lucas Giolito, if he was listening, he was like, hang on a second here, buddy. He was in the All-Star game last week. And then Dallas Keuchel, a two-time All-Star, might be thinking the same thing. But... As we just heard from Darren Jackson, there's no question that the best stuff on this staff is Dylan Cease, and uh, he certainly showed a whole lot of that today. That's one thing. King, what else are you excited about? I feel like there's more well, with you. 
I'm excited about the most prolific young hitters in the league. I'm excited about Timmy being on the bench hitting 333 after winning the battle title at 335 last year. I'm excited about Moncada 400 plus on base percentage. I mean, what isn't there? A ro- ro- uh, uh, what isn't there to be excited about? I, I changed my prediction from last week, and I know it's a little aggressive, saying 59 and one. But I do. I, I feel strong about the 56 and four prediction that I'm going to make this week. <laughs> hey, listen, I, I I did a video this week. It's on my Twitter at the Carm. I tried to explain baseball math. People were freaking out. One and four, two and seven. I was if the Sox had had a bad weekend, I was thinking, well, I got to have that in there too. And, and if you go two and seven, you could still finish. 53 and 7. That's how math works. Now, the obviously that wouldn't necessarily happen, but we have plenty of time. Although everybody keeps on telling me there's not enough time. But I think there is time, and they've won but four in a row. Well we, well, we don't have plenty of time of, or should I say the opposing pitchers don't have uh, enough time of, is to figure out this hitting club. And therefore, we will prosper. There, therefore, we will. King, thank you for getting us going today. I appreciate it. Go White Sox, baby. This is our year. Let's go. That's exactly. 56 and 4. Amen, brother. Amen. We'll talk to you next week, King. 56 and 4. Run your socks. Why not? Run your socks off for charity by registering for our first ever White Sox virtual run series presented by Guaranteed Rate. You can sign up for a 5K, 10K, or one-mile walk and receive sock swag, including a home run chain. All net proceeds from the virtual runs will benefit Chicago White Sox charities and the Guaranteed Rate Foundation. Register today at whitesox.com slash socks run. I'll take concerns, too. Most excited about? What are you most concerned about? 312-981-7200. Also interested, if anybody's got a plan on how to get through the season, I'd love to hear it because Rob Manfred needs some help. He just does. Uh, clearly, baseball has not thought this thing all the way through as they're just flying by the seat of their pants. Uh, Nick Madrigal had a great game today. We'll hear from him coming up as well. Uh, Adam Engel on the show. Ryan McGuffey, NBC Sports Chicago. A lot to do until 7 on 720 WGN. You know, as we continue to move forward, I think if we get the starting pitching that we've talked about since the winter, uh, that we have a chance to play games like this. And if we play good baseball... I, I always talk about knowing your opponent, but if we play our game, if we play good baseball, I think we can we can stand with anybody. This is White Sox Weekly. I'm with you, Ricky Renteria. I mean, the Twins are a very good baseball team, and they're playing really good baseball, and they're in first place right now, and it's very early in a short season. But if the White Sox do what they are capable of doing, on the mound and in the field, there is certainly enough talent there that they should, should, maybe I should say could. I think it should. They should be in the playoffs. 16 teams are making the playoffs this year. The Sox have enough talent to do it. I, I don't feel, I, I, I think that's fair, even though you're coming from 72 wins. I'm not trying to put any pressure on the team, not that they would care if I was, by the way. These guys are very much believing it themselves. And... Uh, they're playing great baseball in the last four days. See if they can continue it this week, four games with the Brewers, and then Cleveland coming to guaranteed rate field on Friday. It's just weird, too, saying that, like, oh, they're coming to guaranteed rate field. Oh, sweet homestand. Oh, yeah. 
we are not going to baseball games in 2020. Definitely a different scene. But it's still, I guess, at the end of the day, good to be home. Let's hear from Nick Madrigal, who had four hits today. Big day that he will always remember. This was Nick after the ball game today. After going over eight, had it changed at all? And how did it feel after getting that first hit today, your first time up? Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't think my mindset changed at all. I, I felt like I was seeing the ball um, pretty well. It just wasn't, you know, nothing to show for it. Um, you know, I tried to stay positive. I wasn't getting down at all. I was kind of just, you know, thinking it's going to come around, you know, just trying to, you know, it's hard, though, when everyone kind of, everyone knows that you had not got a hit yet, so they kind of joke with you, and then the pressure builds up, and uh once I saw that first one falling, I felt like a weight was lifted off me, definitely. Um, even last time, I mean, I didn't get a lot of sleep last time, to be honest with you. You know, it's something I was thinking about, and uh, yeah, it was a huge sigh of relief once uh, once I got that first one. Well, let's take it to the last half bat. How close do you think you got to your fifth hit there? Gosh, I uh, I thought that one was through, and then I'm curious to see a replay on that. I mean, I thought it was going to be close. Um Gosh, yeah, I, I was hoping that one got through. I, I was shocked he made that play. Um, at, at the end of it, I kind of just laughed about it. But, um, yeah, it was close. Nick, can you talk about, uh, you know, being held back those six days, but also that the White Sox know that you're a, a gritty player and even somebody like Ricky, who you said you said you wouldn't shake hands with as you sent down, appreciates uh, the fact that you're a gamer. Yeah, I mean, that was that was tough. Um, you know, once they told me, it was kind of, you know, hard to hear. Um, once I went down to Schaumburg, I kind of, you know, I stayed positive. Um, you know, I, I knew, you know, my time would come. Um, I followed the team really closely. I watched every single pitch of every game. And, uh, you know, I was hoping it would be soon. And, uh, yeah, just a couple of days in. But um, it, it was definitely tough to hear, to be honest with you. Does it, does it, uh, does it feel good knowing that, they have strong belief in you, even though, uh, you know, it didn't seem that way just a few days ago. Yeah, it does. It does. Um, I understand that, you know, there's a plan for everything. Um, you know, uh, even Leary, once he started the year at second base, I mean, he did a great job. So, I mean, the team didn't really miss a beat at all, you know. Um, you know, I, that's, I think that's one of the special things about this team. No matter who you put out there, you know, there's a lot of talent on the roster, even on the bench, I mean, I feel like there's a lot of guys that would be starting on other teams that are, you know, sitting for us. So um, it's just one of those things, you know. Um, it, it was tough to watch, but I knew the team would be all right no matter what, if I was there or not. On the uh, Louis Roberts single, that's another kind of aspect of your game you bring, and that was – you don't see that a lot, and, you know, even though it was a little bit left centerish, but you just have a great read off the bat on where that one was going. I did, yeah. I, I – uh, that's one of the things, you know, getting on base, seeing where the outfielders are um, with this park. It's a big park, so they play a little bit deeper. So I had that in the back of my mind. And, uh, yeah, off the bat, um, I knew it was kind of off the end of the bat. And I, you know, it would be a tough play for him to come in. And, uh, yeah, I just got a good read off it. And uh, I thought that was, a, you know, a big part of the game, trying to get to third base and, uh, you know, kind of break the tie at that point. Hey, Nick, what were some of your uh, biggest takeaways from your uh, first series in the big leagues? Yeah, I mean, it was great. Um, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, there wasn't anything I was too shocked about, you know, um, or, you know, overwhelmed or anything like that. You know, it was kind of what I thought it was going to be as far as the competition and, you know, stadium and things like that. Um, but, I mean, it was great just to, you know, be able to put the one, the first one away, and uh, I'm excited for the future. 
Nick, you guys have kind of all watched what the White Sox have been building over the last few years. Now that you guys are kind of all together at the major league level and you see what you guys can do here over the last couple of days, specifically from an offensive standpoint, what's that like to kind of watch uh, watch the future kind of come, come to fruition? Yeah, it's exciting. Um, you know, you can see immediately how much talent is on the roster and to, you know, be out there with those guys. It's a, you know, it's a lot of fun. And I, I really don't even think all of us have clicked at once yet. You know, there's been glimpses of, uh, you know, you know, some guys getting hot, but um, I'm excited once everyone kind of clicks on the same, you know, same game. And, uh, you know, there's a lot to look forward to. Uh, playing off maybe the opposite of what Bruce asked you, Nick, uh, you're disappointed to get sent down, but pretty much the first day that Ricky talked to us when you were called up, he said, you're here to play every day. How heartening is that to know that you're pretty much a guy that went from Schaumburg now is going to be plugged in pretty much every day in the lineup? Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's great to hear from him. Um, you know, I was hoping to hear that at the beginning of the year, but once he said it a couple of days later, you know, it, it was good feeling. Um, you know, that, that was one of the things they said once I went down, just once I you know, got here, you know, they would, you know, be looking to me for a big role on the team. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's definitely comforting not having, not having to worry about, you know, if I don't do well today or are they going to go with me and things like that. So, um, yeah, that was huge. Nick, just because we didn't get a chance to talk to you after the first game, what was it like, you know, you faced Bubich in, in college or a lot two years later after all the kind of the improvements you guys have made in pro ball? What was it like, kind of like to, to face someone like that again? Yeah, it was kind of kind of funny to see a familiar face out there, you know, facing him in college a lot. And, uh, you know, he, he had a great game. You know, it was just one one pitch that went bad for him. And I thought he looked really good. Um, but, yeah, he, he's always been a good competitor. You know, so even in college, you know, we had some good matchups. And, uh, yeah, I thought he looked really good. And uh, just kind of funny we crossed paths at the same time. Nick, would baseball be better off with those without the service time issues and uh... – you know, because, uh, you know, great young players like you and in the past, Chris Bryant, have to sit for a certain amount of days, even though the teams don't want to do it. I'm not sure. I, I, I don't know. I, I think there's kind of an opinion on that. Um, a lot of people kind of say different things about that, but I'm not really sure. That's kind of, you know, not in my hands to make a decision like that. You know, I'm excited to be here right now and kind of not, not looking back in the past of so anything like that. So there we go, Nick Madrigal after the ball game today. And uh, I'm going to bring back a cut from uh, Ricky Renteria on Friday night, which was uh, interesting that when Nick Madrigal found out that he was being sent down, he did not uh, in, in the least bit hold back his reaction. And... The manager, I thought, had a very interesting... So this was a reaction to what Nick did. So this was Ricky Renteria looking back on when he told Nick that you did not make the club to start the year. I think every player has a sense of where they're at. He actually didn't even shake my hand when I told him that he wasn't going to make the club. He just turned around and walked out, and I was like, okay. But that's the competitor. That's the guy. You know, as players, as former players, when you see a player uh, react a certain way, you understand it. You get it. Uh, it's one of those things that you love about uh, a competitive nature. Uh, there's something that comes with seeing somebody that has a chance of fulfilling, a, a, hopefully, a, a, a huge promise uh, in his ability to perform. And um, it was no indication of who he is. It's just that, that he's a fighter and uh, he wanted to make this club. And, you know, having lived all of that, you kind of you understand the whole process. And uh, you, you kind of 
gotta you, you gotta be willing to embrace that because that's that edge that he has is what's gonna propel him uh, to move forward in a in a hopefully a very positive manner. So I thought that was really interesting because there could be some managers out there who, excuse me, young man, did you just walk out on me even in a pandemic? No shaking of my hand or or. Hey, Skip, thanks so much. Can't wait to be up here someday. Whatever he would say, he just walked out. And Ricky didn't take it personal, and he actually liked it. Like, oh, well, this guy is super competitive. He's the exact type of player that I want to have on my team. So I I just think that that speaks a lot to Ricky, and, and it speaks a lot to Nick. And I, I, I bet someday down the line he might have a chuckle about, yeah, I just walked out on him. And maybe I, maybe I shouldn't have done that. But in the moment, that was the honest Nick Madrigal. I feel like I belong on this team. I'm not saying anything other than just walking out. I'm extremely disappointed. So a uh, little moment in White Sox time this year. And you just heard it in, in Madrigal's postgame. I wish that I had been here at the start of the season. He wanted to be here on opening day. So uh, he's here now. And I think uh, clearly he is here to stay. White Sox Weekly continuing till 7 o'clock. We got Adam Engel coming on up here. 312 981 7200. If you want to jump on in, it's 720 WGN. This Royals team that we're playing has actually made some great strides the last probably year or two. Their lineup has some pop. So it's not like, you know, we should just be running through them. But at the same time, we should be winning these ball games just based on the fact of of talent up and down the roster. This is White Sox Weekly. Listen to that confidence. We should be winning games just based on the talent up and down the roster. You didn't hear that uh, said in 17, 18, 19. But it's being said in 2020, White Sox on a four-game win streak. Uh, Ryan McGuffey, NBC Sports Chicago, will be with us at 6 o'clock. Adam Angle uh, coming up at 6.30 today. Uh, Right now, I want to play a little bit from uh, Dylan Cease. Let's hear what Cease had to say after the ball game. Uh, Dylan getting his first win on the year. Six solid innings tonight, uh, or this afternoon, giving up only two runs. He struck out four. He only walked one. The fastball command was there. Uh, this should be, I'm guessing, a not overly happy Dylan Cease because he's always very much uh, just a level-headed Dylan Cease, I think, from the minute he got up here, and he's, he's just going to be that way. So here's him after the game today. How did you uh, feel different uh, this start versus your start against Cleveland? Uh, I think the biggest thing, I was just a little bit more under control. Um, made sure I wasn't rushing down the mound and uh, just was trying to be aggressive. Yeah, Dylan, last time out you talked about kind of having trouble with your, your locating your curve like you wanted. It seemed like you kind of leaned on your slider over the course of this game uh, today. What what dynamic did that kind of give you, um, you know, to, to be able to, you know, get ahead of hitters? Yeah, I mean, I think that, that really starts with fastball command. Um, fortunately, I was able to throw my slider for strikes today. Um, well enough to, to where they weren't really able to sit on it or, you know, sit on the fastball either. So um, just having a second pitch that you can utilize like that is definitely huge. Dylan, uh, obviously everybody's been talking about how the games this season with such a short season mean a lot more at each individual one does. Can you kind of talk about where the team is at right now compared to where they were, you know, the last that day that you pitched after that doubleheader? Is there a different feeling in that room? Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, the morale is definitely way better, you know. We're, we're back over 500 now. Um, you know, nobody was panicked. We had enough vets on the team to, you know, 
calm everyone down, but uh, it definitely feels better to be on the uh, on the positive side of, of 500. Dylan, you talk about feel all the time uh, for really how you get yourself right. Was it a major change to you know go from one start to the next to this, what you did today, or is it just about kind of finding the, the feel that uh, allowed you to command your fastball? Uh, I wouldn't say it was a major change. The biggest thing was just making sure I was relaxed and not, not rushing down the mound. Um, I thought, you know, last game I basically – was missing all my pitches up here. Um, so I kind of, you know, I kind of broke it down to, I think I was just rushing down the mound. Um, so that, that was my big adjustment. Dylan, can you talk about uh, the consistency of Ricky Renteria and what you see, whether the team wins or loses from him? Yeah. I mean, at, at the end of the day, it's never, you know, a negative attitude. We're never down in the dumps. Um, you know, we know all these games are, are, you know, must win. Um, I'm, I, I mean, I think we're treating them pretty much like playoff games at this point, but uh, he does a really good job of just, you know, encouraging us and making sure we don't get too down. Dylan, you know, the second time through the rotation, kind of going back to Geo, all of you guys seem to be maybe in a better spot. Is it one of those things where you guys have kind of all fed off of each other, start even even with Gio Gonzalez yesterday, not going deep, but given what he got, you know, giving you guys what he could, do you guys feel now as a rotation that this is more of what's to come from your group after that first kind of rough bump from the uh, last week? Yeah, I, I definitely think so. Um, you know, whether it was first game nerves or whatever, we have to be better as a staff. Um, Dallas has done a, a really good job of setting the tone. Um, and then Giolito, you know, did what he did. So, uh, you know, if we execute pitches and we don't give, you know, free base runners, uh, you know, chances to score, then we're going to be in a good spot. Dylan, obviously you've had nights where you, uh, you know, strike out, you know, lots of guys. Today was more about quick contact and you you got through six innings and under 85 pitches. Was that about how the Royals were kind of approaching you or is it about uh, how your stuff was working today? Um, for me, I feel like I didn't necessarily have my sharpest off speed. Um, but at the end of the day, those guys are really good hitters too. So it's, you know, it's it can be, you know, multiple things. I'm, I, I'm always trying to, you know, if I got two strikes, I'm always trying to get swing and misses. But, um, you know, they did a good job of, of limiting that. Brent Valentini. Hey, Dylan, the, the bullpen continues to perform really well. Behind every starter, uh, got to be heartening to know that when you're leaving the game, even with a good performance like you had today, that there's a good chance the bullpen's going to hold that up for you right now. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, we definitely trust them. Um, they've got nasty guys back there, so we just we got to keep it rolling. So, and when you see uh, Giolito, who has had great success last year, come in and have a bad one last time out and then a good one the next time, does that give you, uh, you know, just a little bit of uh, hope knowing that how much uh, you've talked to him and how you, you looked at him and his trend as well? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, it's, it really does mean a lot when you see, um, you know, when you see the older guys like that not really get too down after a bad outing. Um, just continue to go about their work and do what they're going to do and, and still be confident no matter what. Um, so that definitely rubs off on me. There we go. Dylan Cease after the ball game. And yes, that bullpen being highlighted. Eight, 19 and two-thirds innings scoreless, the bullpen this week. That is big-time impressive. Today, it was one inning of two-strikeout work from Aaron Bummer, two innings of... No strikeouts, but only one hit from Ross Detweiler, who's settled in nicely this year. Uh, Ross was kind of a swing guy last year, and this season, so far, at least just in the bullpen, and has been excellent. 
and a great starting for a great start today from Dylan Cease. So this the rotation is starting to settle in, the bullpen's going, the offense is there. Starting to feel pretty good here. Brewers coming in, or well, two in Milwaukee Monday and Tuesday, and then two uh, with the Brewers back at guaranteed rate Wednesday and Thursday, and then the Reds. If you want to kick your baseball training up a notch, come try out for the 2021 White Sox Elite Baseball Team. It's the perfect program for high school ball players who want to develop their skills for the next level. White Sox Elite has helped over 50 players continue their careers at the collegiate level. Travel team trials take place on August the 3rd. Uh, for more information, you can visit whitesocks.com slash play. Some other people to celebrate today. Uh, you know, Luis Robert is going to be 23 years old tomorrow. So technically, at this very moment, at 540 on Sunday, August the 2nd, he's still 22 years old. I look out at him in center film like, that kid looks more mature than me. He's a 22-year-old. He looks insanely confident, very much in control of his life, and he is performing. Uh, Eloy Jimenez, out in left field. Not quite the, you know, there's definitely a different demeanor with Eloy and and Luis. Eloy is more happy-go-lucky. He's always got that smile on his face. But as far as easy power, the ball jumping off his bat, I guess it's for both. And maybe I think Luis has got more talent in getting the bat on the ball. But when Eloy does it, which is plenty, I mean, Kauffman Stadium is a big field. You do not easily hit home runs there. And the White Sox are going opposite field at Kauffman Stadium. That is pretty, uh, it, it's worth underlining. It's very impressive. And it just shows that, uh, look, uh, as these guys get a better command of the strike zone, it is going to be uh, a, a huge problem for teams to contain them at guaranteed rate field. Because if you're scoring runs and taking the ball out of the ballpark at the K in Kansas City, just imagine what they're going to be doing at guaranteed rate on a warm summer night. I mean, balls are just going to be flying out of this team. Is going to be scoring five, six, seven, nine, ten runs, and and not, and I think are going to do it pretty consistently. Then you add in a guy like Nick Madrigal, who's going to do it a different way. There's so many ways for the White Sox offense to cause problems, which is just a beautiful thing. And we're going to come on back here, and we'll hear from one more Sox player as Yasmani Grandal was talking after the ball game. So we'll do that next. Uh, we can't wait to hear you cheering on your Sox at Guaranteed Rate Field again. Let's talk 2021 ticket packages with plans for every budget, payment plan options, and more. You can call and or text SOXTICKS to 312-674-1000 or visit WhiteSox.com today. 312-981-7200. It's White Sox Weekly on 720 WGN. 1-2 in the air to right field. That's going to get down for a base hit. The first big league hit for Nick Madrigal. As Mendick will stop at second. Madrigal with his hands in the air saying, all right. And they'll get that ball into the dugout. Hopefully the first of many in a White Sox uniform for Nick Madrigal. First of four today, nearly was five. 
great play by Salvi Perez over at first and a hot shot from uh, Nick Madrigal. Now, he didn't scorch the ball every time up tonight, uh, so or this afternoon, just for the record. But he found some green all over the ballpark today, and he got himself on four times. And, hey, however you do it, it works. And uh, Nick Madrigal, with a day to remember today as the White Sox beat the Royals 9-2-2. One guy who's been playing some great baseball after a tad bit of a slow start is Yasmani Grandal. And, uh, yeah, the White Sox have an abundance of catching going on right now with Grandal and McCann. Uh, Yasmani with the head on the baseball a bunch of times today. He was 3-for-4, had three RBIs, and this was him after the game. Asmani, uh, you, Dylan Cease, he kind of struggled to find his fastball command his first time out. What did you see that was different or improved uh, for him uh, t- today? Just, uh, it just he was more, he was more aggressive. He uh, found that the strike zone uh, made pitches when he needed. Um, you know, against the kind of team like Kansas City, you know, they like to swing the bat. Uh, uh, the fact that he came out and, uh, you know. Pretty sure he could have gone. He could have gone seven if need be. Um, you know, he did a he did a really good job of just making the pitches when he needed and and making sure he wasn't missing all the strikes. Uh, yes, Monty, that was a really tough take you had at full count to drive in a run. Is that just gut, or is there a sense at that point in the game already of the strike zone to know you're you're going to get that call in your favor? In the past few series, there's there's been a few few calls I've gone. The other way, so you know, at some point they gotta come. They gotta go my way. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna start swinging outside the strike zone just because I'm getting uh, a few calls here and there uh, be made on me. So, um, so yeah, I was gonna stick to what I wanted to do against the, that certain guy, and if he ended up giving it to him, great. If not, um, you know, I was gonna take my walk. Yasmani, before the season started, everybody was talking about you know how how important it was to get off to a good start, how much every game means in this sixty game setup. Uh, you know, we've seen how quickly things can change from going from a tough start for you guys to now a bunch of wins in a row. How do you kind of assess where you guys are at uh, at this point? Uh, you know, I think I think we're in a pretty good spot. Uh, I think the few the first two series, it was more of a trying to feel each other out. Um, even though uh, a lot of these guys have played together for a while now, um, you know, we have a lot of young guys who haven't been in the big leagues uh, for a while. So, um, so it's almost like a brand new team, if you can, if you can think of it like that way. Um, but uh, I think we're getting, a, we're getting a sense of what we can do and um, how we can help each other out in different situations. It's, how has the kind of the team had a slow start, but it's only five games, obviously, before your guys are able to turn it around. But is it a different vibe when there is a you know a shortened season and the urgency to kind of turn around a slow start? Yeah, I mean, I, I think when when we're talking about turning around, is uh, it's starting to learn how to make adjustments. Um, obviously, Minnesota got on us early uh, for two games, but you know we. We went right back at them. We ended up losing the first game, um, but uh, you know we 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 started making adjustments from then. Um, but the Indians, same thing, ended up winning the last game, and 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 we kind of saw and started feeling you know exactly what we needed to do in certain situations so that we're not giving up outs where we're getting on base, we're making pitches. Uh, 
so yeah, I, I feel like making adjustments through through from one series to another, or from one game to another, I think is going to be the biggest thing. Osmani, yourself, you had a big debut in the majors. It wasn't Nick's first game, but he had a four hit day today. Is it ever get tired of seeing a, a young guy like that have such a big explosion real early in their career? Oh no, no. I, I want all of them to have a to have a great first game. Um, even though that, even though if if they don't. It's much better because it keeps on working, and it's not to say that you know, Nicky's going to be—he's going to work no matter what. But um, at least it keeps him in the game. It keeps him thinking. It keeps him uh, trying to figure out what he wants to do. How he, he's going to make adjustments, and it's—it's it's all a learning curve. So the fact that he was able to come out today and and make the adjustment and come out with four hits is great. Yasmani, what do you kind of uh, make of this lineup after what it was able to do these last couple days? Uh. You know, we we all know we can hit. We all know we can swing it. We're going to slug. But the fact that um, we started uh, realizing that if we get on base, it's going to be easier for us um, uh, to get on a roll. I think that was huge. You know, after you know one guy walks, the other one gets a base hit, and you got men on first and third. You're starting to put put pressure. Guys start missing, and you start you know hammering down. So um, I think that was one of the biggest things and one of the biggest changes that that we did from the first two series to this one. Yasmani Grandal after the ball game, three for four today with three RBIs and uh, the on-base percentage at 375. I thought one of the interesting things he said there, like, look, I know the strike zone, and if they're gonna, if I'm going to take a pitch that's just off the plate and they're still going to call it a strike on me, it doesn't mean that I'm going to change my approach the next time up or the next game. Maybe he would that day if the home plate umpire is giving an extra six inches off the plate. could be something that he would adjust to. But uh, he, he know, this is a guy, one of the reasons why the White Sox wanted him is because he will work the count, and he's going to give you a quality at bat. The batting average might not be over 300, but his on-base has always been excellent, and he's got the power as well, and plus, uh, you know, he's, he's very solid behind the plate. White Sox beat the Royals 9-2. to They're doing this, by the way, without Tim Anderson, uh, who did get hurt on Friday night. Uh, let's, let's hear from Tim real quick here. Hey, Timmy, what, what exactly uh, did happen? How did you get hurt on Friday? I think I just, you know, Kind of slipped from under myself a little bit, but no, I don't have a time to tell you. But I will be working to get back, so I don't know how long that will take. Yeah, so it was weird. Like he, he was struggling with a couple of ground balls, then he slipped on the grass, and now on the ten-day injured list. I mean, this, you know, I mean, Tim Anderson won a batting title last year, hitting three thirty-five. He was at the top of the order. A lot is being asked of Tim Anderson. The White Sox don't really have a traditional backup at shortstop. Larry Garcia, who had four hits yesterday and missed the game today, uh, apparently somebody in his family, not exactly sure who, passed away. Uh, so he was given the day off to be with his family, which you know obviously was way more important. But as far as on the field stuff, he's not really a shortstop. Danny Mendek, who played there today, is not a shortstop. This is a guy the White Sox should miss, but uh, so far they're two and zero without him. So that's you know, hey, short, small sample size, super small sample size, but but a great start here. I, as far as what's going on right now, Tim, playing through the virus and what that's like for you and what it's like for the team. I guess I mean it's 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 just one of those things that you know uh, we kind of knew what it was before we started. So um, 
it's kind of the same thing. And you can see that guys are off and out. But now we just try to, you know, do the best that we can to, to protect ourselves and continue to stay safe, but also compete at a high level. So it's just one of those things, man, we're risking it. Um, but we just got to continue to play. And, uh, you know, hopefully they come up with some something better. But um, we'll just continue to do what we've been doing, I guess. It's interesting, right? We're risking it flat out. No mincing words right there. We are risking it. The Marlins are risking it. The Cardinals are risking it. All of Major League Baseball is quote-unquote risking it. They want to play. They make a lot of money to play. We want to watch. The owners are trying to recoup as much money as possible. I think it makes sense. If if this week goes like last week went with Miami and St. Louis, and if we add in more teams and more divisions, you've got the East, now you've got the Central. You know, the White Sox are supposed to play a ton of games against the Cardinals, and they're playing against a ton of teams who play the Cardinals a lot. When, when is St. Louis going to be completely clear of this? I don't know. How do you make up the games? I don't know. It seems to me that you almost have to take a, a breath and figure out what you can do as far as creating some level of bubble to get through the rest of the season. Or maybe you just go to a college World Series, Major League Baseball style. I don't know. Uh, it, it At some point, it almost starts feeling like Survivor out there. It's, it's really it's a bizarre thing to see how this goes every single day. A little, couple more from Tim Anderson real quick. What, what are you hoping, because he mentioned what MLB doing something, what, what does Tim Anderson hope MLB does? Yeah, at this point, man, we're open for whatever, um, everything, um, to continue to keep us safe. So, um, you know, whatever they got to add to the bucket is, is definitely helpful. So um, all we can do is continue to, you know, continue to test um, and continue to, you know, try to, you know, stay safe from each other. and uh, But also continue to get better and keep working and don't forget to open the goal. Whatever they can add to the bucket. Whatever additional security measures you could take, whatever other hoops you want us to jump through, we're willing to do it. We want to play. I mean, right now you've got to take your temperature at home. Then you take your temperature when you get to the field. They've got all sorts of safety precautions going on. I I will say this. It's odd to me that when there's a meeting at the mound that you, for whatever reason, the entire infield shows up. Do we really need the shortstop in the second baseman, the first baseman, the third baseman? Do we all need to be here? Now, they've all been tested, and they all should be you know, testing negative and all that stuff. So in theory, it shouldn't matter, but I still don't understand. Like, Does that make sense? I don't think it does. And I also would do, because it, it was talked about how you have to have six feet between the pitcher and the catcher when they're communicating. Well, that's not going on. They're right next to each other. So I would make the batter go all the way back to the backstop, and then I would enforce the six feet. Now, this probably is not going to matter at all, but that's what I would say. When, when there's a meeting at the mount, the batter goes to the, all the way to the backstop. You go stand over there, and you two are this far. I'd, I'd put a box in front of the mount, and you're on the mount, and you guys can talk from this distance, and you can put your glove in front of your mouth, and, and, and nobody, in theory, could hear. That's what I would do to make it a little bit safer. All right, coming up after 6 o'clock, Ryan McGuffey, NBC Sports Chicago News in 3 minutes, 720 WGN. First pitch to Franco. A little nubber. It'll be fielded by Madrigal over to first in time, and the White Sox have swept the Kansas City Royals. Big game today for Nick Madrigal, who comes through with four base hits in his first run batted in. 
And the White Sox will celebrate a 9-2 victory over Kansas City and head over to Milwaukee. Yes, indeed. Four wins in a row. White Sox back over 500. Everything feels right in the city. 608 Sunday night, White Sox Weekly for one more hour. Adam Engel coming up at 630. But right now, I think we might have the biggest White Sox fan in the state on the line. He's also the senior producer at NBC Sports Chicago. He's on the White Sox Talk podcast. He goes to sleep with a White Sox pillow. He's got Southpaw cuddled in his arms. Oh, my God. Yes, you know I'm telling the truth here, Ryan McGuffey. I, mean, I think you're a little envious. You want some? Like, come on. I, 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 come on. <laughs> I'm a married man with a family. I can't, I, I, you know, the Bo Jackson poster, I had to retire that years ago. Come on. <laughs> you know, it's interesting that you bring up Bo Jackson because when Luis Robert beat out a routine ground ball by a step and a half, I'm thinking, who in the world of athletics could do that? And I was thinking of prime Bo before he got hurt. Like he's he's not quite as forceful as Bo, but do you like that comparison a little bit? It's funny. I hope the listeners don't feel like this is staged, but I had this exact conversation last night with somebody, a buddy of mine. Is that right? And I, we we literally brought up Bo. I, I said, you know, the only person in terms of athleticism that I could actually even comp it to is Bo Jackson. So, so yeah, there you have it. I mean, and I to be honest with you, I'm not even sure Bo could do it. I mean. Luis Robert is, uh, he's generational. He, he, he seems, he seems to be that type of guy that just, you know, here's what's refreshing. You know, you go back 15, 20 years of, of, of prospects in the White Sox organization, and you're always excited when that guy gets here. And they're every generation, Frank Thomas, you know, 30 years ago today actually made his debut. And now Luis Robert, and you sit there and kind of, he just has that thing where he starts to produce from day one. And it's fun and refreshing to see a guy that has the expectation and the spotlight come up on day one and just produce. And he just continues. We've seen it. I mean, you and I have seen it. We've had a different look on it than just every White Sox fan. We've been able to be up close and personal. And it still like opens your eyes every single time. And it doesn't have to be in the batter's box. I mean, it could be in the field. It could be you know running to first base, stealing second, whatever it is. Like The guy just... He's a he's a dominator. He's a he's a true five tool prospect. And it's just impressive how he's there's like a swagger and easiness. Like okay, I'm gonna make this sweet catch up against the wall. Okay, I'm gonna take this o two slider that's an inch off the plate and about to hit the dirt. And I'm gonna I'm gonna have it land a one foot from the warning track in left center field. Uh, I, there's just a million things the guy's doing, and and I I like that his teammates seem to really enjoy Luis Robert. Like sometimes a guy that comes in like that and he's running all over the outfield, and he's running in front of Nicky Delmonico making catches. You could maybe see a little bit of jealousy, but I don't sense that at all with him. Yeah, I think that I think it helps that he's been like he's a part, he's a key cog in the thing. He's not the cog, so I think that's a big. Like, if he was the guy, like, you know, this all started, you almost forget Yoan Mankata is like an MVP-type player. Yeah. Because each year in the last three years have been other guys that have come along the way. And so, like, when a guy you – know, you, you have four-hit games. You have three four-hit games last night. Eloy Jimenez has his first four-hit game. And who's the guy like, – you don't even mention it because it's like, well, look at Luis Roberts, first four-hit game. You know, you have three guys with four hits. You have Nick Madrigal with four hits today. I mean – it's just it's gotten to the point now, and I asked Ricky Renteria this I don't know, maybe Friday. 
when when Madrigal was making his debut, it's like he's actually filling out a lineup card for the first time with all of these names that we've been talking about for three years. And it's real. He's not doing a spring training game. He's literally writing out a lineup card. And he can start with Luis Robert and end with Nick Madrigal and turn it into a major league umpire. And it's, it, it, he even kind of admitted, it's like, yeah, you do kind of take a step back and be like, all right, like the process is here. Now it's time to produce. But that's the expectation is that one through nine, you can kind of turn this thing over again and again and again, as we saw multiple times throughout the weekend. You know, today they have 14 hits and no home runs. They have a seventh spot in the seventh inning. And it's just get him on, get him over, get him in. This lineup's going to hurt a lot of people for a long time the way that they are shaped from top to bottom. Well, and I'm looking at the lineup. It's like, okay, so Luis Robert, by the way, he just got here, so he's played with no one. Yoan Moncada and Jose Abreu have had one year together. Yasmani Grandel yep. hasn't played with these guys at all. And Carnacion's not going to be here for a long time, but he hasn't played with anybody. Eloy, has, he hasn't had a full year with these guys on the field, right? right? And, and right. so it's just like everything's brand new. I mean, this is, it's, it's, a, it's basically a brand new team that's, you know, we've, we've heard all the names, but as far as them actually playing together, this is, I just think it needs to be online. This is the first time and we're nine games in in the middle of a pandemic season. I mean, think about what it's going to look like down the line here. Yeah, and you know, Yasmani Grandel actually talked about that in the postgame today. Where, you know, go back, I, I said, I, I tweeted something uh, earlier tonight about, you know, what a difference a week makes in a 60-game season. Because I think about a week ago today, and everybody's panicking about the way the one and two start and the way it, the way it looked against the Twins. Grandal said, hey, look, a lot of these guys haven't played in the major leagues for 162 games, and now they're all doing it together, and you're sprinkling in veterans who are learning, too, how to teach these guys, and it's the pandemic. So... Four games is a you know is really ten games and, and five games is really you know thirteen games. So they are kind of learning on the fly and also knowing their capabilities. Like they obviously they had a full spring training together. They played spring training games together. They had this like summer camp or whatever you want to call it. So it's not like they they aren't accustomed to playing together. Some of these guys grew up together in the minor leagues, but the, actually taking the field in major league facilities in ballparks for the first time together it's a whole different ball game and Grandal alluded it to it today he said you know if you go back a week and then just to see where we are today and to look at how this team's already kind of understanding each other and understanding like you look to your left you look to your right he's always going to be there and vice versa that that's part of the learning process is that it's easy to sit there like we've been covering these guys for years now so it feels like they've been here but look I mean Nick Madrigal just got here literally on Friday so just because we've been covering them from the time they got drafted in June of whatever year doesn't mean it just feels like they've been here and it's just not the case. Well, and I thought that and it's not just on Yasmani here by the way. In in Ronaldo Lopez's start, to me it looked after a couple of pitches, one in particular, that something was not right. Like he was not reacting like he was healthy. And I just don't think Grandal knew him well enough. Like he wasn't, you know, he wasn't dragging his arm to the ground to show you, but he was, he was wincing out there. I'm like, I'm like, um, I think somebody should go out there. This doesn't look right. And yeah. and then like three pitches later, they did. But that was just a, a thing where if he had played with him for a, a little bit longer, he would have noticed it. Right? Did you did you uh, did you have the same reaction at all? Am I off here? No, I, I was looking at more like you know, velo and the velo- just the velocity being a little down. But you know, obviously like Renteria and. They go back a week, and he talked about. He, obviously, they knew the velocity, but they didn't have any reason to be concerned because it's something 
along the game that Ronaldo kind of ramps up. But I, I was with you. I just didn't see, to me, I was more concerned at the walks, and I think you might have been talking about this just a second ago. Like it wasn't the grand slam as much as like the walks. He had two outs. It was a real quick two outs, and then it just kind of seemed to fall apart. And the reason was he just wasn't healthy. And I, I really do wonder if like Ronaldo could go back and just be honest from the start and say, "Hey, look, there's this thing coming out of the bullpen." I know he was trying to gut it out, and you got to respect him for that, but. You know, I, I know. I think Ronaldo knows like the place he was in. He's trying to prove himself too, but it just is a really tough spot where I think he just was trying to at least get through the first inning, and maybe maybe he says something then. But I don't blame the guy. I mean, it's, sure. it's hard to even put yourself in those shoes. But yeah, I think you're right. I mean, going back to what you said, I think Yasmani would probably know within the first three or four pitches. Yeah, something doesn't seem right with a guy that I know, but because of him being the new guy then you have spring training and then you shut it down for three months. You don't see these guys. Yeah, you're right. Then all of a sudden you just start playing games. It's hard to kind of know what's right. Ryan McGuffey, NBC sports, Chicago senior producer of the White Sox talk podcast. Can you hang on for two minutes? I got a couple more for you. If you're all right. Absolutely. All right. We'll come back with Guff in a second here. Quick timeout. White Sox weekly, 720 WGN. It's White Sox Weekly, Adam Engel in 10 minutes. Ryan McGuffey is with us, NBC Sports Chicago senior producer, White Sox Talk podcast. Uh, before we get to Gov, just a reminder, uh, the White Sox charity Sox Car-, Car-, Raff- Sox Car Raffle is back. By popular demand, you can now enter to win a White Sox-themed Mazda CX-30. It's courtesy of Mazda of Orland Park. New this season, the car was designed by a White Sox fan. Visit WhiteSox.com slash Sox car to buy your raffle tickets. Valid for Illinois residents only. And uh, Sox fans, for a limited time, you can celebrate life's special moments with a personalized message and image displayed on the iconic center field video board at Guaranteed Rate Field. It's perfect for birthdays, anniversaries, and more. Visit WhiteSox.com slash scoreboard to purchase your message today, and I'm sure they'll show that on the broadcast. Uh-oh, that's the wrong line. Hang on a second. There we go. Guff, you don't have uh, you don't have any uh, cardboard cutouts of anyone in your family hanging out at Guaranteed Rate Field, do you? Not yet. Not yet, but I'm guessing that that's probably not going to... Uh the last time we saw them last weekend so after how successful it was <clears throat> we'll have to see i might have to get i might have to make one of you car i think that would that would uh you know there was one a cap i don't know if you know this there was one a cap uh back from his coaching days Are in that serious? first series against the twins yes uh he, he's been calling himself fat cap on social so let's just say it was fat cap um yeah, he was made. He was definitely amongst the amongst the fifteen hundred fans that were sitting in the cardboard sections of uh, Guaranteed Rate Field. So. Hashtag take that. Uh, all right, <laughs> love you, Cap. All right, so let's let me ask you a question because I made a prediction last week on White Sox Weekly. I'm going to assume you are not listening, which is better for this segment. Who do you predict, Ryan McGuffey, at the end of the 60-game season, assuming we get through this, fingers crossed on that, obviously, who do you think will have had the best year of any of the White Sox starters? Wow. Are you talking about, are you talking about uh, lineup or are you talking about pitchers? No, it's strict rotation. I'm sorry. Of anybody in the rotation between... So do I get? Do I get? And I get the benefit of the first nine games, or are you just asking me this? Yeah, but no. You, Sorry for all the disclaimers. You, 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 you get to see what you have seen. Absolutely, your okay. prediction is today. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stay with the guy who's been the most consistent. I think that was Keiko, and he's not gonna be the guy that might have the lowest ERA or the most strikeouts. 
I just think he's going to be the guy that is going to be the every fifth day the most consistent. So I think we're going to see – I think we're going to get a lot more of the Lucas Giolito that we saw the second time out as opposed to that first time. I think Dylan Cease is going to be hopefully – uh, more of what he was today. I think against a better lineup today, he could have gotten in a little bit more trouble. But his the lo- the way he was locating his fastball was, was certainly encouraging. So I, I'm going to go with Keuchel just because of consistency. He's got that, you know, we keep hearing the Burley count. But I just think what he's been able to do from a veteran anchor, they've needed this guy, a guy like him for the last couple of seasons. And to have a guy like this going forward, you know, I'm going to make a – you know, a, lot of, a lot of south side, north side, they, they don't like the comps, but you know, I think there is a little bit of Lester there with that with that acquisition um, earlier this season. So uh, give give me Dallas Keuchel. The numbers might not show that he had the best year. He might have the best war, stat cast, and all the other analytics may tell you otherwise, but give me Dallas Keuchel. So I think that's a very smart, reasonable, intelligent play. I just used some synonyms there. But uh... – I said Dylan Cease, Ryan McGuffey. I just I'm predicting the breakout year, and of course that did not look great after Tuesday night against Cleveland. It looks better today. What do you think of that prediction? I don't think it's bad. I, I, I'm with you on he's going to take a huge jump, and I do think that Dylan Cease can, can be. I think he can be a one A or a two in a rotation. Um, the way he composes his composure on the mound is the most under control certainly top five guys I can think of on the bout. He's just, he, obviously we know about the yoga and everything that he does, but he is very much in control of everything he's doing on the mound, which I love. Everything's just so easy. I mean, I've never seen somebody throw a 90 dollars fastball. That's just so like effortless. So I like your prediction. I just hope to me with him, and we all know this, his ERA is hovering around like nine, five in the first two innings. It's all about the first two innings for him. It was, I think the entire game for Dylan Cease rides on those first two innings. And if he's under control in those first two innings, you know, he wasn't under control and he wasn't locating in his first start. And I think that the result was not surprising. Today was also not surprising. He was very much under control and, 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 and it showed. Have you done a deep dive on his yoga practice? Am I missing something here? Other than the fact that he does yoga, what, what, what do I not know that you know? Oh God, he's a huge like, yogi. A huge. That's what his his jersey number is. A the eighty four is is a yoga. It might have been. The, I forgot exactly. It's like the number of yoga practices or something. I mean, that's eighty four is not by mistake. And he meditates daily. He meditates before you start. Uh, I have pictures from when we in the Dominican Republic with the prospects where he was teaching the other guys about earthing. Um, so yeah, this is this is a way of life for him. This isn't just like something that he applies to baseball. He applies it three sixty five, twenty four seven, and it's a very much a part of his baseball career as well. Eighty four is definitely a yoga type. Uh, I, I have to get down. It's some kind of yoga number. I know that for okay. sure. I mean, when I, when I've talked to him, and obviously when I hear him on Zoom calls now after the game. There is a certain level of focus that Dylan Cease brings that is certainly not normal, but it's also there's a directness to to his answers. Hey, Dylan, uh, you know you and Lucas, you kind of are both you know you're you're sort of similar. This you're both very intelligent. I can see why you would say that, and then just you know, <laughs> like, that's the answer. Like that, that's it. I mean, right. I can see why you would say that. Yeah, you have to. You have to. He's a peel the onion type of guy. He knows. Like I've done so many things with him, where I think. 
uh, a few times I think he's like, well, okay, so what you want me to do here after I've asked the question for the third time in a different way is you, you want me to taste myself. And I'm like, yeah, a little bit. I actually want you to talk positively about yourself. I think he has that. He, just, he doesn't like talking about himself. He doesn't like talking about success. Um, he just likes to kind of, he knows, he looks at himself as just one of the 25 guys on the team. And, you know, if he's 15 and one with a two, five ERA, let's hope that that happens. Uh, you know, I think yeah, he's going to have to talk about himself, but he's, he's a very plugged in and intelligent, smart guy. So, but yeah, very much into the yoga and yogi principles. I love it. All right, Ryan McGuffey here, senior producer, NBC Sports Chicago, the White Sox Talk podcast with us here for a couple more moments, 720 WGN. All right, let's do some nitpicking here, things that yep. you don't per, you know, necessarily like. I'll, I'll name a couple. Is Ricky overusing Evan Marshall and or Aaron Bummer? Do you, have you had that thought? No. I haven't had that thought yet. Uh, ask me in a week, but I, I think right now, they, they put themselves in a little bit of a hole at one and four that they needed to have a four-game win streak and, and kind of have – I mean, they had to win two out of three in Kansas City. I think everybody kind of felt like they have to sweep. Um, and I think in order to do that, you might need to go to guys a little bit more often. It would have been nice to stay away from Bummer last night, I'll be honest with you. But uh, the way that game was starting to kind of get, I think you don't blame them. you got to go to the guys you have. And keep in mind, they did have two off days this week. They had Monday off with the rain out. They also had the Thursday off day. So, no, I, I will disagree with that one. Okay. I, just didn't, I didn't think you needed to use them today. It was 9-2 at that point. Maybe you'd already gotten them up, and then it's now you're getting somebody else up. I get it. But sure. It just it just seemed like a little bit of an overkill. Uh, the other thing that I'll 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 nitpick Luis Robert for one second is it going wow. to it's it was well, it going to catch up to him that he literally um, and Steve Stone has underlined this beautifully. I mean he he's trying to end the at bat before the at bat starts. He's he's swinging at at the first ball all the time. I'm wondering if that'll catch up to him. I mean, look, Tim Anderson won a batting title hitting three thirty five. Is Tim Anderson Luis Robert? No. But Tim Anderson doesn't walk, and everybody complained about that. And how did that work out? So I don't think Louis, like Luis Robert, walked for the second time today. I don't think he's ever going to look. You're going to look at the end of 162 and see, you know, a huge walk number there. He's an aggressive swinger. He's an aggressive guy at the plate. But the one thing that we know about him is that the teams that have tried to fool him with off-speed pitches, like they did with Aloy last year, it's not working. You know, they're going low and away. He's going low and away. His ability to kind of stay on a pitch, even when he is fooled, is incredible. He had a double last night that reminded me of Frank Thomas, Yep. where he stayed with it. You know what I'm talking about. He followed through, and he had that one-hand swing, and that ball almost got out of the ballpark. It was crazy. So I don't think you're going to uh, – look, at this point, let's not ask Luis Robert to change anything, right? Like, let's just see what happens. Well, and, the and, one thing I will say, like, you're nitpicking. I'll say the run, hitting with runners in scoring position for me has been one thing that, like, if we're going to nitpick, you know they left 15 runners on base last night. There's been multiple situations, including today, with the bases loaded, where they came up empty with you know you have first and second and nobody out, and you get nothing out of it. And so I think situations can catch up to the, like those type of situations can catch up to you as the season progresses if that doesn't get fixed. I mean they're amongst the best offenses in the game, but. Uh, right, you got to produce when there's runners in scoring position. Obviously, we know like, they have a stretch coming up against some pretty good teams in Milwaukee and Cleveland this week that uh, 
you know, if you get a blow opportunities like that against those teams, it, it may come back to bite you. Yep, yep. It does benefit uh, in those situations when you're playing the Royals, who are not going to be in the playoffs this year. All right, I'm up against the break here, Guff, but just when, when the White Sox make the playoffs this year, game one, who's leading off? Oh, with all due respect to Tim Anderson, Luis Robert, my man, <laughs> Luis Robert. And you know what? Adam Engel, who's coming up on uh, White Sox Weekly here, phenomenal guest, phenomenal guy. He's had a hell of a start, so stay tuned for him because I know he's one of my favorite people. So I'm excited that you have him because he's a great guy and, and he's had a great start in 2020. Oh, my, my, my radio talent man right now, just giving the tease. That's right, Adam Angle coming up next. Ryan McGuffey, you're the best. Thanks for being on, man. Anytime, brother. We appreciate it. NBC Sports Chicago, Guff with us here. And yes, Adam Angle is next. We'll get to him in a second on White Sox Weekly. Sox fans look forward to celebrating birthdays, reunions, and more with friends and family safely at the ballpark again soon. Let's talk some 2021 group tickets. Call or text Sox Ticks to 312-674-1000 or visit WhiteSox.com today. And White Sox emails bring the ballpark to you with the latest videos, breaking team news, special offers and more register for free today at whitesocks.com slash email angle next 720 wgn it's 720 wgn and with one of the positive exciting stories of the young 2020 season which doesn't feel that young even though uh, the White Sox have only played eight games. Adam Angle, you're hitting 333. You've hidden three straight. You're making plays in right field. You're hitting three run bombs. The only runs of the game on Friday night to win a ball game. Not a bad start to 2020 for you, sir. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Um, you know, we've won uh, what our last three games now. So um, as long as we're winning, winning ball games around here, everybody's happy. So let's go through your journey here in the off season and. I've been all in on Adam Engel since we did a White Sox Weekly, I think a couple of years now, and then I was sitting uh, behind the home plate, and all of a sudden I realized I was sitting with the Engel family a couple of years back. So I've been, I've been rooting for you, Adam Engel, and I've always believed that uh, if given the opportunity as you continue to grow, you're just going to get better and better, and that's what's happening. Uh, a lot of people are saying that your partnership with Frank Medichino has been a big deal. How accurate is that in assessing your start this year? Yeah, I would 100% agree with that. I think, um, you know, Frank and I work together really well. Um, you know, it's easy to get on the same page with him. Um, I, it started last year when I uh, went down to Charlotte uh, for about a month and a half or two months there. I was able to work with Frank a lot down there. And, um, you know, he just he's kind of talked to me about uh, different things that a lot of coaches haven't. A lot of, a lot of coaches have tried to, to help me with, uh, you know, mechanical adjustments which has been great and i think definitely a very important part of my development but um, at some point you have to kind of put that stuff aside and and work a little bit more approach based and that's what frank is one of the best at and um it's been great working with him it's been an incredible opportunity i feel like i've definitely benefited from from uh working with him so he's helping you kind of think through an at bat is that accurate yeah, I think throwing at bat and um, come up with a game plan before the at bat and and work on those things, you know, in the cage and, and in BP before the game even starts. That way, you know, you just build confidence and um, you know you're you're not uncomfortable at the plate trying trying to think too much. You've kind of already walked through it and and experienced it from a in a practice setting. 
um, which is something that he's, you know, he's really, really good at and, and just simulating games and, and stuff before you even step out on the field. So once you're, once you're out there, it's um, something that you're already comfortable with. Um, so there's not a whole lot of thinking involved. You kind of just go up there with a, a game plan that um, you've already worked on and, and just see, see what happens. Maybe I'm making this too basic, Adam, but is it just this guy likes to throw me this at this point, so I'm going to be looking for it, or I'm in a strict take right here. I'm trying to get in the mindset of being a Major League Baseball player and what would go through your head, but am I, on, am I in the right direction here? Uh, somewhat, yeah. I would say um, there, there's two elements to, to kind of coming up with a game plan. Um, if we're going to keep it basic, uh, one is what what do they like to do, and, and two, what do I like to do as a hitter? So um, you kind of you know mesh those two things together and come up with a game plan. You know, if a guy's really good at something that I'm not good at, then I'm not going to look for that pitch. You know, but if he's if he's shown that he makes mistakes in, a, in an area of the plate that I like, then that's likely what I'm going to go up there and try and look for as a hitter, and then. Taking it even a step further, that's what I'm going to practice in a cage before the game. So that's that's a little bit closer. Uh, you weren't too far off there, but um, it's, it's more of a combination of the two. I'm taking a swing at it here. It, it sounds like kind of like a light bulb went off in your head. Is that fair? Yeah, I would say so. Um, it, I feel like, one, one, the approaches are really good and, and sound, and they definitely help. But for me specifically, I think it's kind of freed me up to – to move a little bit easier at the plate, um, you know, when you're when you're thinking mechanically, it's it's hard to it's hard to move free, and and that's kind of what the swing is 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 a loose a loose movement, and um, when you're thinking mechanics and you're trying to get your body to move a certain way in, in such a short time window, it's it's really difficult to do, and that's kind of what I've been doing most of my career up until you know maybe the last I don't know how however many at bats, but as I started working with Frank, it's been a little bit more approach based. So, and again, I, I think my coaches in the past have have contributed to where I'm at mechanically now, which has been great. And um, you know, I really appreciate all the things that my other coaches have done for me from that standpoint. Um, you can't have a really, really good approach and a really, really bad swing and have success. You know, so um, it's definitely a combination of the two. But I think I kind of turned the corner as far as the mechanics go and. Um, you know, what I got is what I got at this point, and I'm just trying to execute approaches. I think we all can relate, and you're not exactly saying this, but we've all had, I think, in our careers, at least if you've been in it long enough, you've had uh, some people that you've worked with along the way that bosses have gelled with you in one way and maybe haven't in another, but yet you take a piece of that that's helped you, even though it might not have been pleasant at the time. So it sort of sounds like that. And also, it's interesting on your mechanics because, to me, it looks like your swing is a lot more comfortable, but you're not really focusing on that. But it, to, to me, it looks, I don't know, smoother is, is a word that comes to mind or whatever. You just, and f- you used flowing. It, it, it's translated into that somehow. Does that make sense? Absolutely, yeah. And I think that's, that's a big part of not having to think about how I'm trying to swing um, mechanically, right? I think, like I said earlier, a lot of, especially in the big leagues, a lot of my career i've been trying to fix mechanical flaws that i've seen and um and and my coaches have seen and and we've worked really hard on and then i get into a game and i try to execute those mechanical swings and um it it just ties me up you know it might work for some guys and uh, i'm you know i'm happy for those guys but i'm just not one of those guys so 
now that I've kind of gotten away from that, um, it's, you know, I, I'm, I'm able to use this swing that I have, although it's not perfectly, you know, it's not perfect mechanically. Um, it's much more effective for me to, to swing how I'm swinging now and not thinking about how I'm swinging. Um, you know, it, it just works better, you know, so um, that's where I'm at now. And, you know, obviously, you, you have to kind of go mechanics here and there in your work and an MVP and whatnot. But once the game starts, um, that's just something that doesn't work for me. Let me get into a couple more things before you get on out of here. And I appreciate you getting into your swing and congrats again uh, on your success so far this year, Adam Engel. And, and getting back to the big leagues period from where you were at last year was a, was a huge accomplishment as well. Have you raced Luis Robert on a lighter note yet? Have you guys lined up and done this? Have we raced? Yes, I think I think White Sox fans would like to see that. It's got to be. I mean, I don't, I'm assuming you're not willing to concede that he's faster than you. <laughs> um, I I think the kid is extremely fast. He is. Um, <laughs> he's an incredible player. Fast is just one of his many tools. Um, I think if you know if the Sox fans wanted to, wanted to see a race between him and I, I don't know how interested they would actually be in that. But if they wanted to, I'm sure me and Louie could set something up. But um, but no, man, what a what an incredible player, what an incredible kid. He's he's a lot of fun to be around. Brings a lot of energy and um, and absolutely yes, he's very fast. I, I think stat, I saw Statcast like article on him the other day talking about all of his tools and speed was definitely rated as one of the, the elite speedsters in the, in the big league. So, um, you know, he's a lot of fun to, to be around, and it's even more fun to watch him play. I mean, he beat a double play ball out the other day by like a step and a half, and most people are out <laughs> on that play. <laughs> how, how is that possible? <laughs> I, I, li- I know the exact play you're talking about, and as the ball, you know, as players were watching the play, not necessarily him run to first base, but uh, once the ball went into the first baseman's glove on the on the double play attempt, um, I just started laughing. You know, I'm in the dugout. I just started laughing. I'm like, that looked like it should have been a routine play. And like you're saying, he's a full step past the bag. So um, I find myself doing that a lot with him, like him taking BP and he hits a ball that looks like he missed hit it, and it's like a 400 foot opposite field homer. I just look around at my teammates and just start laughing. You know, it's it's comical at this point watching all the things that he can do. Yeah, and it's also, and a lot of people have said this, but I'll say it again. It's weird that it seems borderline effortless for him. I know that it's not. I know he, I'm sure he puts a ton into his craft to get this good and all that. But there's, I don't know, a level of ability there combined with it. Just it just makes like oh, okay, this really tough catch against the wall that looked like nothing. Oh, now I'm gonna. There's going to be a low and low pitch on the outside corner that's nearly in the dirt. I'm just going to flick it in the left field, left center field gap for a double. I mean, come on, man. This is this, this is a different dude. Yeah, absolutely, 100%. Is he physically gifted? Yes. But, you know, getting to, to come to practice with him every day, the kid works like crazy. You know, he's he truly is an elite worker, and he is putting in his time and his reps and um, a ton of focus behind what what he's doing and all of that. So um, does he have the ability? Does he make things look easy? Absolutely. But it's not just because he's, you know, a Mike level or a Mike Trout level talent. He's also got that Mike Trout work ethic. So, um, you know, I was talking to Frank yesterday in the dugout. I'm like, this kid is going to be special. He's just, 
he's just got to get some experience. He's got to get some at-bats under his belt. And what we're seeing from him now is incredible, but it, it's only scratching the surface. So um, I think Sox, Sox fans should be really excited about about watching um, Luis in the, in the future. And just hearing his teammate, you, talk about him like this, it, it's obvious that he's doing a lot of things right in that clubhouse as far as you know, not being all about himself and being a good teammate. Yeah, great teammate. Um, it, he's fun to be around, man. Uh, he, he's got that infectious personality. Um, you know, he's trying to learn English the best he can, which, which says a lot. Um, so he's just a lot of fun. He's, he is a good teammate. He tries to talk to you the most he can. Um, even when he's not speaking English, you can tell that um, he's trying his best to, to communicate with everybody. And um, obviously we have, you know, a, a lot of uh, um, Spanish-speaking teammates on our team too. So it's, we can talk to them, especially Eloy in the outfield. It's, it's fun to, to just have conversations back and forth. And um, really good teammate, really good guy. And I'm, ex- I'm excited that he's part of the White Sox. So let's wrap up with just what it's been like for you playing during this time period i mean uh, guys are making different decisions everybody's entitled to make the decision that they make you know i'm talking about lorenzo Cain opting out and a, a bunch of other guys as well has it felt safe for you adam and what's what's been like i guess the scariest and how would you describe it um it's it's a really um weird time i guess would be the best way to describe it um it's really hard to kind of navigate through this. Um, you know, as a player, really, I'm just hoping that our team isn't touched by this too much. Um, I totally understand when guys are saying that they don't feel safe. Um, I think we as a team are doing a really good job of, of trying to avoid, you know, the things we're supposed to be avoiding. Um, so that helps. You know, knowing that my teammates are, we're all on board, we're all on the same page of, of trying to, to you know, stay socially distant from from each other and, and more importantly off the field that we're all, you know, doing what we're supposed to be doing. So knowing that my team and 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 the staff, we're all doing everything we can to, to stay safe through this helps. Um, and But then again, at the end of the day, like, this is a, a pretty um, serious virus. So to stay, to sit here and say, you know, I'm not concerned at all. What wouldn't necessarily be the truth either. I think just the nature of this of this virus and this pandemic, it's it's not something that you feel totally safe about. But um, I have confidence in my teammates, you know, and 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 our staff that we're going to do everything we can. And if somebody gets a virus, and that's that's you know something that we're going to have to navigate through. But as of now, you know, I think we're doing a really good job, and um, you know, we're trying to get this whole schedule played and. Um, you know, we don't want to cut this season short, especially with, with the kind of team that we have this year. So, um, you know, it's, it's not the, the best feeling knowing that there's a pandemic going on in the middle of our season, but, um, you know, hopefully it doesn't, it doesn't affect us too much. Uh, I'm just trying to get one more picture, and I appreciate your time here, but I'm just – so you – the game ends. Are you guys – do you shower at the field? You get on the bus, you go home, there's, there's food there, you're in the hotel room basically until the bus leaves the next morning. Is that basically what the life is like right now? That's pretty much so what the life is like right now, yeah. It's, it's, there's not a lot going on. Um, so, I mean, we, we try and make the most of it, you know, when we're at the field. And, um, you know, even at the field, it's a completely different lifestyle. There's, 
there's been so many precautions that have been taking that that have been taken during the um you know just the clubhouse and, and the dugout situation and um the weight room and everything it's it's a completely different time this year than it's ever been but um you know that's that's where we're at man and and you know we're all just happy to be playing baseball as much as you know it's it kind of stinks to navigate and jump through all these hoops but um that's where we're at so we're all making the best of it trying to have a good time and um you know i think the team's still having fun through all this which is i think a really big part of why i think we're going to be successful so um as far as leaving the field that it's pretty um i don't know what the word i'm looking for here is but not a lot going on yeah, and I'm not, you know, like trying to think, woe is me, you're a professional baseball player, I, you guys live great lives, you make a lot of money, you get to play a kid's game. By the way, you've earned all this because you've worked extremely hard to get there, and a zillion of us played Little League in high school, and we're not there, and you guys were the best at it, and you worked the hardest. So, I'm not trying to take anything away either. But it's also just, you know, the... the you, you got to be very committed right now is what it looks like from the outside. Like you have to really, really want this and be of singular focus if you guys want to make it work and, and get through the season. And hopefully, hey, get in the playoffs, win a World Series. That's the goal, right? Absolutely, yeah. I think uh, we just. I think we just got to. Everybody has to keep their priorities in check, and um, you know, by no means am I sitting here saying, you know, poor me, poor me. Um, it's a different lifestyle. Normally we do get to go out and experience the cool cities that we get to go, get to go see. But this year we're going to be sitting in hotels and, um, playing video games and, you know, FaceTiming our families and just spend more time indoors. That's what we signed up for. You know, we knew what we're getting ourselves into going into the season. And, um, it's not like it's been in the season's past, which stinks, but, um, you know, I'm not going to complain about it. You know what I mean? I'm still, like you're saying, get to get to play this game, get to be with my teammates, and, um, you know, I just get a little bit better at video games this year. Adam Engel's best video game? Um, Call of Duty uh, Warzone. I believe this. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm too old and too, I guess, untalented to be able to fully relate, but I know everybody loves, or at least a ton of people love Call of Duty. Hey, Adam, let me, let me let you get going here. Thank you so much for the time. Continued success. Look forward to talking down the line. Thanks so much for having me on. Um, I appreciate it, and um, hopefully be talking to you soon. Yeah, absolutely. Adam Engel, 720 WGN. White Sox Weekly, wrapping it up. Hope you had a great Sunday. Thank you for putting on 720 WGN. Peter Greenberg's Eye on Travel coming up at the top of the hour. Tennis fans out there, I do feel it is my duty. Andy and DJ brought it up on the broadcast today that I'm the tennis guy. Well, there was a championship that was played today in World Team Tennis. I'm just getting the email here that our Chicago Smash was in it. The finals at the Greenbrier in West Virginia, but we did lose to the New York Empire by one point, 21-20. The King Trophy came down to a dramatic finish, and uh, we did come up one point short. Give it a great run, the Chicago Smash, and all of us on White Sox Weekly want to thank you for your efforts to try to bring a title 
to Chicago. How much do you enjoy Adam Engel? I hope you enjoyed that interview as much as I enjoyed doing it. I did it. Uh, we talked to Adam before the game today. Obviously, as uh, if you were listening at the start, he's talking about the White Sox being in a three-game win streak, which is now a four-game win streak. Adam was not in the lineup tonight or this afternoon. And it looks like he's going to be splitting time with Nomar Mazzara, who has been working out in Schaumburg, and all reports from Ricky Renteria and company is that uh, Mazzara is very close to returning. So we should see him out there this week. The White Sox with two in Milwaukee starting tomorrow, two at home with the Brewers, so four games with Milwaukee, and then three with Cleveland also at home uh, next weekend. Tomorrow it's Carlos Rodon on the mound and uh, Mark Shinowski will have your pregame show tomorrow, I believe, at 6.25. So, a little more depth in the outfield, a little more pop to add into that offense with Mazzara coming back. Hopefully he'll be in uh, midseason form. And it'll be very interesting uh, when Tim Anderson is able to return what Ricky Renteria will do at the top of the lineup. Ricky saying before the game, on Saturday, after uh, Tim went on the injured list, that he was just trying Luis Robert out there. Well, he tried him out there, and the guy went four for six. And Robert wants to hit at the top. And traditional leadoff guys in baseball are have pretty much gone out the window. You put your best hitters at the top because you want them to come to the plate the most amount of times in a game. And you really only lead off truly one time. So even though you don't quite set the table like you did back in the day, Baseball has figured out that that doesn't really matter. I don't, I don't tend to agree with that. I like a traditional leadoff guy, just a guy at the top that works the count. That even if it's just coming back around again, like you know, when you get to this guy who you face a ton in the game, he's not. It's not going to be a one pitch, two pitch, three pitch at bat. It's going to be a six, seven, eight pitch at bat. And Luis Robert is not that, but he's Luis Robert. So. You can certainly make a very strong argument to have him at the top of the order. And Tim Anderson is not a guy who's going to work the count. So I like Tim down in the order and just let him do what he's going to do. But Timmy's also winning a batting tail, so you want him to come up a ton. Do you have two free swingers at the top in Tim and Luis? Probably not. Because Yohan Moncada fits nice there, switch hitter behind who's ever leading off. So then it drops that who's ever not leading off into that six hole, which... I'm sure the person who's hitting six would rather be hitting first and all that. So now you got egos you got to deal with. But that's why Ricky Renteria gets paid the big bucks. Thank you so much for listening today. We appreciate it. Curtis Koch, thank you so much for producing the program. Adam Engel, thank you for being on. Ryan McGuffey uh, checking in as well from NBC Sports Chicago. It was fun to talk to Guff. And uh, also get some sound in here from the ballpark today. And uh, the calls that we took today was also a lot of fun to be with you. White Sox are on a four-game win streak. That is awesome. And hopefully they'll keep it rolling against the Milwaukee Brewers tomorrow. Eye on Travel is coming up next. Have a great night. My name is Mark Harmon. It's 720 WGN.